Good morning, everybody. I am so happy to be able to say to you this morning, Happy New Year. Uh, I don't know about you, but I am ready to turn the page from 2020 to 2021. Years ago, uh, I ran a marathon. It's uh, 26.3, and I say years ago, okay, this is a while back, 26.3 miles. And what I remember about this experience was it was a, it, it was a growth experience. Um, it was a challenging experience. I learned a lot. I suffered some, some hardships and some injuries along the way. Uh, when I was done, I was glad that I got through it. And I also thought to myself, I don't ever need to have that experience again. I've never run a marathon again. 2020, for some of you, has been like a marathon. You have grown a lot. You have been stretched. You have suffered some injuries and setbacks. Uh, you are glad that you made it through 2020. But, you know, it's an experience that you just don't ever need to repeat again. I'm with you. You are ready to move forward into 2021. And I'm excited about what God has in store for us this year. If you just came across our feed and you just came, stumbled across our feed on YouTube or Facebook or you've never seen us before and you're a new time, a new visitor, first time visitor, uh, we want you to do something. We want you to just type VIP in the chat right along the side here in the, in the chat on Facebook or YouTube. Just type VIP so we can reach out to you with some resources that we think will be useful to you as you launch into 2021. We believe that God has a purpose and a plan and a promise for you and we want to help uh, give that to you. Uh, so let us know who you are. If you've been with us for a million years and you've watched every uh, installment and you're watching us today, here's what I want you to do. Your amen is either a subscribe or a like on this video. That's how you say amen, just subscribe or like, because when you do that, uh, it allows us to convey the content that we've created to you more readily, and it also allows other people to see what, uh, what we are able to present to you. We are presenting the gospel now by your help, with your help, to thousands of people around the world. So thank you for doing that. Um, we are launching into a new series today, and I'm super excited about this series because I honestly believe, well, I, I believe it for me, and I also believe it for you, that what God has to say to us in this series is going to help us break out of um, the, some of the habits, some of the paradigms, some of the mindsets that we have adopted over 2020, some of the, some of the, some of the pain and some of the hardship that we have incurred and experienced over 2020. And this series, we're calling it Promised Land. It's not where you've been, it's where you're going, Promised Land. Uh, I believe that this series, if you'll absorb it and take it in and take God's word into your heart, will help you break forth into truly the promises that he has for you, the purpose that he has for you, and the plan that he has for your life. So we are going to dive into this series today, uh, and we're going to start by looking at Exodus chapter 3. So over the next few weeks, we're going to study the exodus of the Israelites out of bondage, out of slavery, out of wandering in the wilderness, and into the promised land, into the promises that God has for them, because that is a template for us. The promised land was not just a, a picture of something that happened thousands of years ago. It's a picture of what God wants to do for you and for me right now. So let's start. In Exodus chapter 3, we are going to meet Moses on the backside 
of the desert. The scripture says this, Exodus 3.1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now just get a quick picture of this. He's on the back side of the desert. He's actually at the lowest point in his life. He's been working for his father-in-law for 40 years tending sheep in the desert. Now you got to remember this. When Moses was a young man, he had a passion and a zeal to do something important and purposeful. If you remember, he came out uh, into, uh, when he lived in Egypt, he came out and he saw his brothers being abused and oppressed by the Egyptian slave masters. And the passion and the zeal he had for, for justice and righteousness and freedom was so strong that he struck the Egyptian taskmaster, killed him, and buried him. But his fervor turned into fear. Because when Pharaoh found out what he had done, Moses had to flee to the backside of the desert. And for 40 years, 40 years, he has been working at below his capacity. He has been working at below his potential, just keeping his head down, just getting by. And it's in that moment on the backside of the desert that he meets God. I know somebody today is in a low period of your life. You have had your head down. You've been grinding for a long time. You're below the potential that God has for you, and you know it. But I just want to encourage you today because it's sometimes in these lowest moments in our life that we actually experience the face of God. So he's in the back of the desert, and he comes to the mountain of God. The Scripture says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Someday I'm going to teach a sermon called Burning Brighter or Burning Out. Because when we, when we embrace the flame of God, the fire of the presence of God, we actually burn brighter. When we try to operate on our own strength and generate our own heat and generate our own light, we end up burning out. That's a sermon for a different day. But, 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 but he sees this flame uh, that's not burning out. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why this bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites, he said, has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And then he says to Moses, So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Today, for the next few moments, I want to preach on the subject, it's go time. It's go time. Let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the 
the, the heat and the warmth of your presence. Draw us into it. Draw us into you. Draw us closer to you today, God. Draw us closer to one another in love. God, open our hearts. Plow up the field of our hearts. Make it, make it soft. Make it fertile. Let your word drop in. Transform us. Strengthen us. Empower us. Embolden us to live out the life that you've called us to live, to step into the purposes, to step out of bondage, out of fear, out of guilt, out of condemnation, out of anxiety, into freedom, into strength, into power, into joy, and into the fulfillment of living the life that you've called us to live. We pray this to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I told a story a couple years ago that I'm going to tell again because it's just fitting for this sermon. The sermon is called, It's Go Time. Uh, when I was a kid, I had a lot of fears. I was a, I was a sort of a, uh, a fearful child. Uh, one of my big fears was heights. I just was terrified to be up above anything higher than six feet tall, which made it very difficult for me. Like, I, we, we would go to Six Flags. I didn't want to ride the roller coasters because it's too high. If we went up in an elevator, I would freeze up. I would just kind of close my eyes. If we went over a bridge in the car, uh, you know, go over the bridge here in, in St. Louis, I'd have to close my eyes because I didn't want to be up that high. Now, it's good to have a, a, a healthy respect for heights, but when you have a fear that paralyzes you and keeps you from doing things that might benefit you or just that you might enjoy, then it becomes a problem. So my dad noticed that I had this fear. And so one day he comes to me when I was uh, 16 years old, and he comes to me with a novel proposition. And he says, son, I have an idea. How would you like to go skydiving with me? Now, my dad had never gone skydiving. And um, in retrospect, I mean, I know what he was doing. He didn't, he didn't tell me, like, hey, I'm trying to help you overcome your, you know, your fear of height. He just said, hey, man, how would you like to go skydiving with me? And, you know, th- there was like this moment where I'm like, um, okay, I actually have no desire at all whatsoever to go skydiving, right? But my desire to, to not go skydiving was eclipsed by my desire to not let my dad know how badly I did not want to go skydiving. Like, I I wanted his respect. I didn't want him to know that I was too afraid to go skydiving. So I did sort of nonchalantly just say, you know, yeah, sounds good. Let's go go skydiving. Well, a couple days later, we are suited up in some random, you know, airstrip in mid-Missouri, and we are getting ready to get on a plane and go skydiving. Now, I am terrified. My throat, I'm actually, my throat is constricted. My blood is like ice in my veins. I am, I'm trying to keep the smile on my face, but you know, you're, you're like, have, have you ever had a panic attack where you're like, you're about to pass out? That was me. So I'm about to puke. I'm about to pass out. My dad's just having the time of his life. Like, here we go. Come on. You know, let's go skydiving. We get into this little plane and this is like a little rattle trap. I don't think this shouldn't be legal. Should not. It's like a tin can and there are no seats. There's a pilot, and then there's an instructor, and then there's my dad, and there's me. And there's no seats. We're, like, literally on the floor. And we get in this floor, and, and, and we take off, and it's like, and we're going up in this plane. We're getting higher, 1,000 feet, 2,000 feet. We're at 3,500 feet. And I'm, like, I'm, I'm just, like, I'm actually blacking out at this point. Like, I'm so freaking out. My dad's smiling, having a good time, and my dad's going to go first, right? So they're like, all right, all right, Jim, you know, it's your turn. It's go time. So my dad goes, all right, and he reaches out, grabs a hold of the strut of the plane, puts his feet out on the step, and boom, he's gone. Like, just gone. Like, I'm looking out going, 
Is he, is he, did he live? Is it, was he okay? I'm just seeing him hurtled towards the earth and, you know, having all these terror nightmares and daymares and whatever. And they're like, no, 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 he's fine, he's fine. We keep circling, circling. Finally, the instructor comes over to me and he goes, okay, man, it's your turn. And he looks at me, he goes, it's go time. So in that moment, I have a choice. I can do what I want to do, which is curl up in the fetal position on the floor of the airplane and weep like a child, like a baby, which is what I wanted to do, right? Traumatized, paralyzed by my fear. Or I could go out the door. What are you going to do? 2020. Some of you have been traumatized by this year. This year has been wildly challenging, difficult, unexpected, frightening, terrifying in some senses. We've had to do everything differently. School differently, church differently, family differently, funerals differently, weddings differently, friendships, date different. Everything we do, we've had, to, we've had to do everything differently. And some of you have suffered genuine and difficult hardships during this time. There's been financial hardship. There have been relationship hardships. There's been cultural chaos. There's been uh, a, a racial strife and, and injustice. There's been political upheaval. There's just literally everything that you can imagine happening in a year just now happened in 2020. And you may be tempted to want to just curl up in a ball in the fetal position and say, I can't face anything else. I can't face what's next. I can't, I just can't bring myself to go step out into something new. But today God is saying, listen, it's go time. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not called us to retreat. God has called us to advance. God has not called us to bondage and slavery and fear and injustice. He's called us to step into his purposes and his promises and his plans for our life. God, like Moses, is saying, I want to bring you out of the worst time of your life, out of the backside of the desert, and I want to take you into the purpose that I've had for you all your life. So the question for you and me today, we're going to look at Moses' story and use it as a template. How do we begin to take that step? How do we begin to step out of and unravel ourselves from all of the bondage and all of the ties and all of the the, 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 the fear and the guilt and the shame and the condemnation, all the stuff that holds us back. How do we begin to press forward into what God has for us? I want you to look for a moment at what God said to Moses and, and, and how this whole experience unfolded. Because if you remember, Moses, for 40 years, he's been doing the same thing. He's been leading sheep around in the wilderness. One day, he sees, a, he sees something burning on the side of the hill. He sees this burning bush, this, this, fl- this flame and this bush that's, that's not being consumed. Now, he has a choice. On the one hand, he can just go, not, doesn't pertain to me, like, don't know what that is, just whatever. I'm just going to keep doing, I'm just going to stick with the status quo. I'm just going to keep doing what I do. I'm just going to stay in my routine. I'm just going to stay in my rut. I'm not going to try to understand anything new. I'm not going to try to pursue anything new. Or, he could go over there and see what's going on. I, I want to show you what the scripture says. It says, Moses saw the burning bush. And then it says this. Moses said, okay, so he's talking to himself. Moses said, I will now turn aside. I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. It's interesting, this phrase, turn aside. 
Okay? Because the scripture repeats it. Turn aside means I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing and I'm going to start doing something different. Turn aside in the, in the Hebrew, it means literally I'm going, to, I'm going to forego this path and I'm going to start on this path. I'm going to stop what I was doing. I'm going to step out of my rut and I'm going to, and I'm going to explore something that I don't fully understand. I'm going to get out of where I was and I'm going to try something new. And what's interesting it says this, so, so, so Moses said to himself, I will turn aside. And then look what, how the Lord responds in verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside, okay, so it uses the same phrase, when the Lord saw that Moses was willing to step out of his rut and come over and see what's going on, when the Lord saw that he turned, to, to, that he turned aside to look, that is when God called to him from the midst of the bush. So here's what I want to give to you today. If you are trying to break out of the rut and the routine that you've been experiencing, and you want 2021 to be different than 2020, and you know what? You want 2021 to be different from 2019 and 18 and 17 and 16, right? You want to, you want to shift. You want something new. Here's what I want you to write down. If you want to experience that, if you want to start stepping into God's purposes and plans for your life and the potential that you have, then you have to Stop settling for the status quo. Stop settling for the status quo. Meaning, we've got to stop what we're doing, and we've got to turn aside to something new. We've got to get out of our rut and go, you know what? There's something over here that I, that I, that I could avoid, I could ignore, just stay in my... But there's something powerful going on. There's something great happening over here. There's something beautiful. There's something burning bright over here. I need to go and explore that. We need to stop settling for the status quo. This week, my son uh, comes up to me, and I can't remember why. I don't know. Like, I made breakfast or I did something for him, and he comes over, Jameson, and he comes over, and he gives me this huge hug, and he goes, Dad, you are the best dad in the world. And you know, if your kid says that, you know how good that makes you feel? It's like, you're the best dad in the world. Big squeeze, right? My four-year-old daughter, Eden, is sitting right beside him. Like, right, she's at the table right there. She hears what he says. She goes like this. She goes, well, we haven't really met all of the other dads in the world. So we can't really say that he's the best dad in the world. I mean, she says, literally, word for word, we really haven't met that many dads at all, so we don't really know if he's the best dad. You know what I mean? So, so your kid, <laughs> if you want, to, you want to be humble, have children, because they will humble you, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, so she's, she's serious about this. Like, you know, they're just trying to be pragmatic here, but here's what I do love. I love the subtext. What she's saying is this. She's saying, Jameson, you're, you're, you're happy with what you've got because you don't know what you don't have. She's saying, you, you're, you're content with what you've got just because, because you haven't seen other stuff. Now, I don't, I don't want this, I don't want her to continue that path with respect to me, but I want her to have this mindset with, the, with respect to the rest of her life, right? And that is, let's not settle for the status quo. Let's go see what's out there. Let's not get stuck where we are. Some of you today are stuck. You, you are happy, or not, you're not happy. You're stuck with what you've got because you don't know what else is out there. You, are in, you, are, you have not developed a healthy relationship 
because you've never seen a healthy relationship. You've never been around a healthy relationship. And so you need to, you, you don't know how to develop a healthy relationship. And so you're basically like, I guess this is just what it is, right? Now, what you are tempted to do, some of you, and, and maybe you're even thinking this right now, you're thinking, oh, okay, well, pastor's saying like, if I'm in a bad relationship, I should go find another relationship. That's not what I'm saying, okay? What I'm saying is, if you do that, then you'll actually take the status quo mindset that you have in this relationship, and you'll just go plop it into a new relationship. So you will not have changed anything. You'll change the scenery, but you won't change the status quo. Are you with me today? So, so what God is saying right now is there are some new paradigms, some new mindsets. The scripture says, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There are some new paradigms, some new mindsets, some new shifts that God has for you in 2021, but you've got to be willing to step a little closer to the fire. You've got to be willing to go, okay, I'm going to go explore what God has for me. R- right now, some of you, you've, you, you, you're, your relationship with church is, 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 is consumption. So you're watching, and you're going, okay, I, you know, I'm good with this, right? But you're a little too afraid to step closer to the fire. You're afraid to go, okay, I, I want to, maybe I might go and see what God has for me. I might commit to something, right? I might take a step. I want you to do that today. I'm offering step one today at 1045 Central Time. Right after this sermon, I'm going to host a Zoom call. I'm going to invite you to draw closer to God. That's our mission at One Family Church, bringing people closer to God and closer to one another. That's what we do in love, right? I want to invite you to take that step. Some of you today need to turn aside from the mindsets that you've adopted, the paradigms that you've adopted, the behaviors, the patterns, the habits that you've adopted, because God has something more for you. And when you do, then God calls to you. Now look, look what happens here. Look what happens to Moses. He steps aside. He turns aside. He steps out of the status quo. Says, I'm going to go see what God has, right? So then the scripture says in verse 4, the Lord saw that he turned aside to look. God called to him from the midst of the bush. And notice this. This is, this is important. Moses. Moses. Doesn't just call him once. Calls him twice. In the Bible, when you hear God use your name twice, that means that he is really trying to get your attention because he wants to take you from one place to another place. So in Genesis 22, God says to Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. This is when he's calling Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac and he's about to sacrifice him. And God says, Abraham, Abraham, right? You've proven your faith. Now I want to take you into something new. When, uh, when Jacob, uh, uh, when Jacob is, is, is an old man and his son Joseph is in Egypt and Jacob is, is afraid to go to Egypt, God says, Jacob, Jacob, Genesis, uh, I think it's 40, 46, Genesis 46, Jacob, Jacob, because he says, I want to take you from where you are, the status quo, I want to take you into something new. In the book of uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, Samuel's a little boy and he's living with Eli the priest and the priest is his sons are corrupt and the house of God is corrupt. And there's this young boy who's being called by God. And the scripture says that he calls him. He says, Samuel, Samuel, right? And he, he, he thinks it's Eli calling him. So he keeps going over to Eli. Did you call me? No, it's God calling him. Why? Because he wants to take him from just this, this novice kid, this, this child, into becoming a prophet. And he's, he's, a, he's afraid to do it because part of it means he's got to call out Eli. But God is saying, look, when God, when God uses repetition, hear me now. When God uses repetition, he's trying to get your attention. So 
as we're stepping out of what, God, of, of what we've experienced in 2020 and we're stepping into the purposes and the plans that God has for us, right? The first point is don't settle for the status quo. The second one is this. Pay attention to repetition. And to, just to kind of push in on the point, I'm going to say it again. Pay attention to repetition. What I mean by that is whenever you see recurring instances in your life over and over again, you keep running into the same problem. You keep running into the same kind of relationship. You keep struggling with the same kind of sin. You keep f- facing the same aspiration. Maybe you have said a million times, you know, real, you know I really I need to write that book. You know, I really need to start exercising. What, whatever it is. And if, if you're somebody that, that, if there's somebody else in your household, so just nudge them right now. If they are a broken record, that means there's a repetition. That means there's something that needs to be addressed. God uses repetition to get our attention. Okay? Back in the day, they used to have records, vinyl records. They were like these discs made out of vinyl. And you would be playing your favorite song. And if there was a scratch on the record, if there was something wrong with the record, it would skip. And when it was skipped, it would just repeat. It was repetition. So if you're listening to Aretha Franklin, you would hear... And it would just drive you crazy. And you'd be like, I got to go, go to the record player and address the skip that's on the record because there's a problem with the record and the repetition is signaling me that there's a problem, there's an issue that needs to be addressed. If you are experiencing repetition in your life over and over again, I'll give you one. This is a positive one. I would come home every day, every day for years, when I was working as an attorney. And I would say to my wife, you know, I really believe God's calling me to plant a church. I just, I would come home and talk about it every day until finally my wife said, let's take the needle off the record and let's get over the skip. She said, let's go. You know, if God is calling you to do this, which apparently he is because you just keep repeating it over and over and over and over and over and over, why don't you address it? Let God get your attention and take the step. What are you experiencing right now over and over in your life that needs to be addressed? Positive or negative? What's the, what's the skip on the record of your life? Is God calling your name twice? Is he using repetition to get your attention? Because if he is, I want you to take a step today and start moving closer and closer into the purposes and to the plans that he has for your life. And then listen to what God says to Moses. Listen to the content. Of what God says. Now this is, this is huge. Exodus 3, 7 through 8. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. Uh, taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And then he said these words. So now go, Moses, go. I am sending you. I want you to notice something about this call. None of this, of what, none of what God just said to Moses is about promoting Moses. None of it is about what Moses' skills are, his abilities, his talents. I want to make you a great... Now listen, God ended up making Moses a great general 
and a great prophet and the leader over all of Israel. But that wasn't the motivation. God was interested in the pain of the people. He was interested in the the purpose that he had for liberating them. And then he was interested in the promise that he had for them. I've, I've seen their sorrows. I've seen their heartache. I've seen the oppression of my people. And I have something for them. And I have a land for them flowing with milk and honey. Here's what I want to encourage you. Wherever you are. If you want to step out of what you've been doing and step into the true purpose that God has for you, then here's what I want you to do. Pursue God's purpose, not your promotion. If you are seeking to promote yourself, you will find that you get, you, you, you will not find your purpose. You will not find fulfillment in your own promotion or your own advancement. You will find that you are just as stuck as you've always been. Don't focus on your advancement. Focus on the pain that others are experiencing, on the purpose that God has for your life, and then on the promise that he has when you begin to walk out your purpose. I had a friend, I'm going to close. I had a friend uh, that I was talking to, a pastor friend recently, who I met with, and he said, he said, you know, you like talking to me, like he said, you, you were in Los Angeles for quite a while, and you were like pursuing um, you know, various pursuits down there, film and TV and music and stuff like that. He said, but you never really talk about that. Like, I haven't really heard you talk about that in sermons. And, you know, I've met you a few times and we've talked, but you never really bring that up. He said, why not? And it was a little bit of a challenging question because I didn't really have a ready-made answer for him. But I thought about it for a second. And then I said, you know, the truth is that that part of my life was all about (laughs) me. Like that part of my life was all about trying to pursue things for me. Like I wanted to be famous and I wanted money and I wanted power and I wanted pleasure. I mean, I really did. Like that's really literally what I was pursuing. And what I discovered is that as I was achieving some of those things on a small degree, I was experiencing no commensurate joy or fulfillment or meaning or value. And the more I got the things that I wanted, the more I realized that the things that I wanted were not bringing me the things that I really, really needed. And so I said, you know, I guess I don't really talk about that period so much because that period represents for me strictly selfish and personal pursuits that were not fruitful or productive. And it was only after I began to say, God, what do you want from me? How can I serve somebody else? How can I be of value to some other person's life? How can I begin to add value to somebody else rather than pursuing the things that I thought I wanted. It was only then that I actually truly began to experience real joy and real fulfillment and real love and real comfort and and real meaning in my life because I, I had begun to stop pursuing my own advancement, my own promotion, and I had begun to pursue God's purpose for my life. And I will say this. It's the same now as it always has been. When I find myself trying to 
to, to please myself. We kind of talked about this last week. Pursuing things that are for just me. I'm miserable. I'm unhappy. I'm grumpy. I'm unkind. I'm mean. It's, it's not, it doesn't bring value to me. But then when I remember, oh wait, God, God put me on this earth to serve somebody else. God put me on this earth to try to encourage other people to fulfill their potential in life. God put us as a church family on this earth to bring God and people closer together in love, to help people get free from the bondage of sin and guilt and shame and oppression and to be living in righteousness and peace and joy of the, of the Holy Spirit and love. And, and, and it, when we start to focus on that, man, all of the rest just comes. Moses became a general and a prophet and a leader not because God was trying to promote him into that. It's just that was the overflow of Moses fulfilling his purpose that God had for him. And this is the very last thing, the very last thing. Here's the last picture, and here's how we get there. Here's how Moses began the process, and here's how you begin the process for yourself. Exodus 3, chapter 4, Moses says three words. They are this, here I am. Here I am. Okay, I'm going to start I'm going to take a little step. I'm going to go ahead and just begin the process. Now, next week, I'm going to explore Moses' fight with God, his argument with God, because he didn't step all the way in in that moment. Wait till next week. But he began to open the door. Okay, God, here I am. When I was curled up in a ball on the floor of a rattletrap airplane with my dad having already jumped out and the instructor looking at me going, your turn, it's go time. I have to make the decision. So with ice cold blood flowing through my veins, incapacity to breathe, almost blacking out, prepared to puke, I reached out, I grabbed the strut of the plane, I put my foot on the step, and I took a leap, and I jumped. And I will tell you this. On the way down, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've ever prayed one of those prayers where it's like, is that English or is that tongues? Like, where is that on the, on the array of prayers? <laughs> Jesus, 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 right? That's where, that's, where, that's where it went real quick. But I landed, and I was safe. And my dad had a, a smile, a grin on his face from ear to ear, and I go give him a hug. And it's not the kind of thing where you go, thanks, Dad, for helping me overcome my fears, right? Those, those moments only happen in the movies, right? But I did realize what had happened there. And guess what? I actually went back up and I jumped six more times. Not that day, but over the course of time. Six more times just to prove, you know what? I got this. Now, I don't need to jump again, okay? But, and, and I'm still a little bit afraid of heights. But what I've learned is like, if I'll take the step, if I'll take the leap, if I'll make the move, if I'll have some faith, then I can overcome the fear. Some of you today need to just take that step. You need to say, God, here I am. I'm ready to take a step. I see the fire burning. I'm going to get out of my rut. I'm going to get out of my status quo. I've heard you calling me many times. And now I'm going to take the step. I'm going to say, yes, here I am. It's go time. If you're here today and you are um, not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to become a follower of Jesus today. I want you to take that step. It's the first Sunday in January. If this isn't a good time for you, there is no good time for you. Let's go. It's go time. I'm going to host a call, a, a Zoom call, a Zoom video conference in just a few minutes, 1045. There's a link right on the, um, on the chat and right below here in the description. 
click on that link at 1045 and we're going to walk you through the process what it looks like to become a member of one family church what it looks like to commit your heart your life your soul to christ what it looks like to become part of the body and and to bring people and god together in love that's the step i want you to take if you've been here for a while and this is your church home another way that you can take a step and be uh, and, uh, you know committed to and, and and partner with us is to give to give uh you can do a recurring gift a one-time gift uh on our website there's a a, a link right here onefamilychurch.com give slash give uh there's a link here and and partner with us take a step say you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna actually put my heart where my mouth is i'm gonna put my heart where my mouth is i'm gonna partner uh with the church and i'm gonna start advancing the mission and the vision of christ in our city and across our world um if this is your first time uh, maybe you're not ready to become a member. Maybe you're not ready to give. Um, we have a website. One of our team members, Tyler, uh, set up a, a, a page, onefamilychurch.com slash Jesus. And it's got all these resources for you about how to get plugged in and start living the life that God has called you to live. And finally, I want to invite you um, to, to take the bread and the cup. If you um, are at home and you can run and grab some bread and some juice, I want to invite you to take the bread and the cup with us as we close out this sermon. The scripture says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body that's broken for you. And then he poured the wine into the cup and he said, drink. This is the blood of my covenant that's being poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus he had a moment of decision he didn't want to make the sacrifice he would rather curl up in the garden of Gethsemane and avoid drinking the the wrath of of God so he said if it be your will let this cup pass for me I don't want to do it I don't want to jump but God said it's go time I need you to take the step. I need you to get up on that hill and let your body be broken and your blood be spilled so that people across the world on the first Sunday in 2021 would be able to have eternal life, be free from bondage, free from slavery, free from sin, and step in to the land of promise that he has for you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you can come to step one. And uh, if you can't come to step one, God bless you. We love you. I cannot wait to see you next Sunday. Have a great day.